Helping students and healthcare professionals not just survive, but thrive with a purpose. This is the CMDA Student Pulse Podcast with your host, Bill Reichart, National Director of CMDA Campus Ministries. Welcome to another episode of CMDA's Student Pulse Podcast. I'm Bill Reichert, National Director for Campus and Community Ministries here at CMDA. And today our special guest is Caroline Daughtery. Caroline, you are a third year MD, PhD student at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, I want to just give our listeners and viewers just a quick overview, and uh, we're going to go do a deep dive, but let me just explain that, uh, well, Caroline, you were born and raised in California, but you now live in, of course, uh, Minnesota. You did your undergraduate uh, degree at Georgetown University. Now. I'm going to mention this only briefly, we're going to come back to it, but between high school and doing your undergraduate degree, you were a professional ballerina, which I think is really cool. We're going to learn more about that in just a minute. So, Caroline, you are a uh, CMDA student leader, part of the national student community as well. There's so much we're going to talk about, so I'm just going to get started and uh, let you dive in. Thanks, Caroline, for being a part of the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bill, for inviting me. Yes. Well. We want to hear your story, and and let me just also set it up, too, to say that it's these stories that I think become mutually encouraging to our listeners. You know, we all have our own story, and to be able to hear how God's been at work in your life, what He's doing, how He's continued to work in and through you, uh, especially how you're interfacing and, um, you know, working together both your faith and the practice of medicine, I think is something that our listeners would be encouraged to hear. And so, I just want to get started with hearing how you came to faith. What was your faith journey, Caroline? So I was actually born in a Catholic, into a Catholic family, born baptized in a Catholic and was raised in the Catholic church until about the age of five. Um, knew all the Old Testament stories, but around the age of four, from what I remember, I had this experience where a family member passed away and I was at a graveside. And it was just realizing this as I was staring into it, of what happens when we die? Like when we die, is it just darkness? Why are we here? And those questions scared me as a little four-year-old. And then a few months uh, later, I went to a non-denominational Christian church, a CBS, and that was the first time I heard the gospel presented. And it just clicked for me of, uh, this, is, this is why we're here, and this is what I want to do. Um, but being the stubborn child I was, when they, they gave the altar call, I refused to go up. Um, rather said, I'm going to go back to my bedside um, and accept Christ by myself. Um, but at that moment, had the Holy Spirit enter my life, and I didn't know what to do. So I just ran around the house. <laughs> um, but just that joy I'd never experienced and fell in love with Christ almost immediately. So much so that even as a first grader, I was trying to introduce my teachers to know the Lord and get them to go to church with each other. <laughs> I'm sure my, my parents coming from a Catholic background were like, what is wrong with our daughter? <laughs> so my family at that point had transferred over to this non-adominous Christian church and got quite involved with it. Ended up, uh, my mom became the director for children's ministries uh, summer program, where it was over 2,000 kids and 1,000 adults. And I developed slowly over time kind of a little bit of a PK syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and became more distant from God of knowing everything, what it meant to be a good Christian, but I didn't know God. And that slowly started haunting me as I headed into fifth and sixth grade of this concept of kind of God knocking on my heart of saying, you don't know me. And I'd always push it away and say, but I remember when I accepted you as my Lord and Savior, I know what I'm doing. But by end of sixth grade, beginning of seventh grade, really, really had an experience where it's just like, you don't know me, Caroline. 
at that point rededicated my life to the Lord and said, God, everything I am, it's all yours. And that's really when the real journey began. This slowly felt called to work with fifth and sixth graders, felt called to teach, but I was a petrifyingly shy child. I mean, again, I'm a scientist, so you hear facts for you. As a kindergartner, like I, I wet my feet rather than asking the teacher where the bathroom was. <laughs> um, but like hidden in that bathroom rather than me a new teacher. Like I, I was shy. Um, so feeling called to speak in front of people, feeling called to be put in a, a group of fifth or ten girls and teach them about the Lord was just something that terrified me, but also felt like God was really calling me to do it. And it was beautiful because slowly but surely, I saw as God was transforming my life, saw him work in my life, began to trust him more, take this more and more steps of faith. And then eventually we came to the point where I was, I was really loving and working with these kids and praying for them. And it's like, God, they, they're going to enter junior high and high school right after this. How is a, what is a way that we can introduce them to you and help them really catch that fire for knowing you? and hopefully help them stay the course as they enter junior high and high school. That ended up a beautiful conversation with the Lord, which grew into a program, which eventually became a nonprofit called it was Hope Angels, and then the nonprofit was Youth Compassion. And this idea of it being, well, life's not all about me, but it's all about how God can use me to make a difference. And that idea being, when you see in the Bible, the disciples or people interact with Jesus, they encounter him and they're changed. And that's what I was trying to hope to do with these girls. It was a program that was led by high schoolers mentoring these fifth and sixth grade girls. And we had over 200 kids in the program. But again, that was all these sets of experiences of seeing God work in my life, trusting him more, knowing him more, and just falling more in love with him. So that, that's kind of the, the basis of, of, my, of my faith story. And granted, a lot happened after that. But um, that's kind of the background for where I'm coming from. Well, while all this is going on, Caroline, there's something else going on. You are preparing to be a ballerina. And uh, this is what I'm I have. Not sure I'd say, Pardon? I'm not sure I say prepare. I'm not sure I say preparing. I was prepared to go to college. I was, I was doing this 20 hours a week on the side. And when I made that decision, my parents were like, uh-uh, don't do that. Oh, okay. Well, this is good. Well, let's talk more about this because what I have here in my notes is you pursued a career after high school as a professional ballerina and you danced all across Western Europe and throughout the United States. So yeah, do, do tell what was the rationale, the reason for you to feel like this is a call upon my life. I need to pursue this. And uh, yeah, tell us more about that. Yeah, so I, I mean, there are three parts of my life really growing up. It, it, was, it was church and serving the Lord and ballet and then academics. Academics came relatively easy for me. And I realized that ballet was a passion that I'd had since a young child. Like that was always a gold star, a dream that I wanted to pursue, but never really thought I had what it took to get there. And then the summer before my senior year of high school, I, I got a job offer to dance professionally. I was like, oh, wow, maybe I actually can do this. And at the same time, I wasn't, as I mentioned, I was groomed to go to college and ballet was just kind of something I did on the side 20 hours a week, which is a little odd. <laughs> but So to, to make that decision, it was quite a, a, quite a big deal. And there are two things that mainly factored into that. And one was, I mentioned school came relatively easy, easily to me. And I wanted to be able to pursue something all the way to see a dream come true and know that I had within myself what it took to do what seemed like the impossible, where you had to throw everything in and potentially risk failure. And then second was feeling very much the call of the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
And I think we often apply that to going to foreign countries. I felt like it was more, for me, it was a career of God calls us into different careers and we're supposed to live for him in those ways. And also make disciples in those careers too, because those are unreached people groups as well. And in the ballet world, it's a very dark world. There are not many Christians in it at all. So those were, those were kind of the main factors that, that went into deciding to pursue this. Well, after you did pursue that, saw that to a completed finish, you decided to, to go to college, got your BS at Georgetown University in biochemistry, and then went off to medical school where you're currently at, at Mayo. But mm-hmm. why don't you fill in the blanks a little bit on that part too? What motivated or what call, what was the sense of calling, Caroline, that you had to go into medicine, because that's not an easy calling as well. So why do you feel God has led you in the path that you are currently in? Oh, well, there's a lot there, but <laughs> I think <laughs> to just kind of back up a little bit. So I ended up, while I was dancing professionally, God did more work on me than I did on anybody else. I ended up breaking my foot three times in 12 months and said, enough is enough, I'm done with this. And while I was rehabbing my foot, I was volunteering at um, Shriners Children's Hospital in Northern California. And for those of you familiar with it, you'll know that they specialize, have just a few specialties, one of those being burn victims, orthopedics, and spinal cord injuries. And the center in Northern California is also a huge pediatric burn research center. So as I was working with these children, and burns are very external, I don't want to say pathology, but it, you can see how they heal and how they change over time. And what was fascinating to me was to see these kids and you could almost tell when they had been burned based on how they had healed. And seeing that difference of how research had progressed and how science had progressed to change the way these children were healing was something that fascinated me. And before I even started college, it was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be that change. And I, I, I didn't know, I just thought I enjoyed science. I, I thought I, didn't, I had never done research before. So I actually started my undergrad at UC Davis and realized I, I enjoyed science. It's an honors chemistry class there. Realized, wow, this is quite it's something I'm gifted in as well. But finding a inter- new protein is interesting, but to me it's more interesting of how do you apply this on an international scale. Um, so that's how I ended up at Georgetown. And then while I was there, and ended up both in the clinical sphere, but also very involved in research and spent a summer where I just tried to say, okay, Lord, show me which way you want me to go. I'm going to dedicate myself to research full time. I'm going to dedicate myself to the clinic full time. I came out at the end of that summer and was like, well, <laughs> I can't make a decision. And uh, feeling very much that call. And then simultaneously, I had five professors within a week, it's been a week said, Caroline, have you considered an MD PhD program before? that said, wait, what? <laughs> there are too many letters in that for me. But then slowly as I was discerning it more, I felt like God just really showed me. But it, it, was, it wasn't like ballet. It wasn't like I had a wake-up call realizing this is what I feel called to do. It was more of taking steps of faith of I can see how I'm gifted. I can see how I enjoy these things. I'm going to just take the next step. And Lord, if you want me to go, I need you to open these doors for me. And then I think on the flip side of that, now being here, seeing so much so that I don't want to say I was created for this because I feel like we're only created to do God's work, but like really wired to pursue medical research and to, to the MD, PhD could not be more perfect for me. That's a fantastic story and how God used your steps of faith as you were faithful in those small moments that he continued to reveal his calling upon mm-hmm. your life. And and now you're three years into this M- MD, PhD program. Why don't you talk a little bit about 
you know, those previous experiences that you had aren't isolated. They, they, you bring those forward in the things that you're currently doing. There are lessons learned. There are things that God has shown yeah. you in the middle of those uh, past experiences to what God is currently doing in your life. So tie in a little bit some of the lessons learned from dancing professionally and, and how those apply, in your opinion, to medical school for you. Oh, I love that question. <laughs> um, there's so much. Um, I, I think that ballet, I'm so grateful for that experience, but I would never want to repeat it. There, there are a number of things. One of those being, I think, coming to the end of myself and seeing truly how much I need the Lord and just having that relationship with God. Because again, I had all the head knowledge, but it, there's something between that 12 inch drop from your head to your heart that makes a difference. Because I think that has transformed the way that I've approached medical school and it's transformed the way I live life now to really, it's all his and I'm going to go all in for him, but like he's the only one I want at the end of the day. And um, I think also that that heart, I think helps kind of you be like a Daniel a bit of striving for excellence in your career, but at the same time, excellence in your relationship with God, because the relationship with God comes far, becomes far more important than any achievement that you could get in the medical field. And I think with that, kind of of the same vein, I've talked to a lot of students about this idea of having to jump through so many hoops in, in medicine, of you receive so many labels of either stars when you do something right or dots when you do something wrong to steal from the your childhood book of You Were Special by Max Potato. Um, but uh, uh, it's so easy in this profession to either be covered with these stars or be covered with these dots and to realize none of that matters. Only my identity in the Lord really matters. And who he's created me to be is what matters. Like, yes, I'm going to give it my all. But at the end of the day, people don't determine my self-worth and self-value. Only he does. Um, and I've had, been able to have so many beautiful conversations with uh, friends. And I think that's another thing of being an older student and having lived life, of having gone pursued a career already, having been out in the world a bit, and then to come in here to be able to share these experiences with my classmates has been such a gift. And I, I think the third thing is this idea of being a unicorn. <laughs> this, this is something that uh, we, we talk a lot about at Mayo, or at least I talk about people with here at Mayo, because to get into a program like this, you had to be this fantasy animal in whatever world you were coming from. Uh, you were not only just the top of your field, but you were the unusual one. And now all of a sudden you're surrounded by a host of other unicorns. So that identity is no longer there. And I think that that has been such a unique conversation to have with people of you can't find your identity in what you do anymore. And people will still try. And I think that's, that's a, something you see a lot in M1 is people are grappling for where do I stand? I'm not, somewhat failing in classes. I'm struggling in, to be the type of student I thought I was. Um, and to, to have that realization that that's anchored in something outside of what you do is, is quite incredible but it also is an incredible time to share the gospel with people oh amen <laughs> oh boy everything you just share preaches oh it's it's good and uh it's such a great reminder to myself as i'm listening and, and to those that are going to be listening and watching uh what an incredible encouragement uh 
those lessons and and how of course continuing to apply them every day right we 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 can we we can be like a leaky sieve and we can forget but uh, we have to be mm-hmm. reminded of God's goodness and our identity and and what he mm-hmm. says about us he says you are beloved mm-hmm. and in Christ you are beloved and uh, just to mm-hmm. remember and hold fast to that identity is so key oh that's a good word um well let's um Let's talk a little bit broader now, too. Uh, you're at Mayo. God called you to be at Mayo. What is God doing at Mayo? Why don't you just give us a little report? What, what's God doing at Mayo? Yeah. Oh, wow. A lot. Um, we, we always joke around here that we're just running to keep up with him. <laughs> um, so I think we, so I came into medical school and knew that I wanted to be involved in CMDA when I was interviewing at schools, the Christian community was something that uh, I really was looking for at different schools, different programs. But it was fascinating because even though the medical, the, the climate at Mayo Clinic just kind of draws a lot of Christians and believers to to this place, the student community was active, but at the same time struggling. And it was fascinating having conversations with upperclassmen who we're previous leaders in, in our CMDA chapter who would say, Caroline, like, I want to believe God can work in that way. But after having been through three to four years of medical school, I just don't believe God can work in that way. And it was fascinating because you have people who believed in God, but also at the same time didn't believe he could work or was actively involved in their lives anymore. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we came in with a class with probably, we have about 10, we had 10 girls who were followers of Christ. Um, and then a number of other guys and it's just started praying for this group and praying for this community. And then organically these things called life groups started showing up of within the classes. It was a group of men or women who said, we want to hold each other accountable and we want to walk through med school together because we realized we're building the foundation for our futures as physicians. And we, we really want to be able to live this experience together. So we started meeting on a weekly basis um, to ask, what are your highest lows? Have you seen God work in your life this week? Go through scripture that somebody different brought every week and say, how does this apply to your life? Um, now that wasn't taking away from our Bible saying, that's what I want to, I want to make key. Like we were, this is something added into our CMDA chapter, but all of a sudden what we saw was our CMDA chapter went from being maybe eight people, um, most of them being previous leaders to now all of a sudden we were reaching about 40 students in the med school. And the crazy thing about it too, was that that Bible study was drawing people that had grown up in the church. But these life groups were pulling in people who were maybe more newer to faith or exploring faith, and they, they, they were hungry for the Lord, but they just didn't feel comfortable enough with mm-hmm. the Bible study. And I think that's something, especially as, as student leaders and people involved in ministry, we have to remember we're dealing with a different group in med school. You've now taken all your type A students and put them in one group and said, <laughs> read the Bible together and not try to offend people. Um, or like, because it, it's this idea of always being right. So it's something that I think we have to be really, really cautious of, but it, it, was, it was just so beautiful because we were slowly able to start changing the environment. But I have countless experiences, stories of, like situations we encountered that we had no idea what to do with because again we're kind of paving in uncharted territory and Mm -hmm. just a shout out to our faculty at mayo they've been phenomenal dr mark nyman and susan cock and dr park um sean park who really 
rather than getting scared, they dove in and tried to help foster what God was doing, which was absolutely beautiful. But we had so many experiences where it's like, we don't know how to handle this situation. Like, what happens when, when somebody comes to Bible study drunk and like, who do, what do we do? And, um, it, it, praying, but the thing, the thing about that is I, we started praying for that individual and seeing God transform that heart on its own and ha- God bringing that conversation to light and seeing the power of prayer has been unreal. And every, like every situation that we encounter now is immediately turned over to the Lord it's in his hands and ask him to go first before us. Wow. Sorry, I didn't mean to freak you out on that situation. No, well, I'm thinking what trail, I mean, you guys are being trailblazers. You are venturing out, stepping out of faith and, and uh, embarking on a journey that, uh, you you know, it's not, you know what? Life's messy. People are messy. And that's just the way it is. We're messy. We're messy. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel. We're messy and God still loves us anyways. Amen. Well, you've obviously, by example, perhaps answered this question a bit, but I want you to speak in principle because you said when you were going to med school, you were looking for CMDA. So you had in your mind, hey, it's important that you know a, a campus chapter, a campus ministry is, is essential. Uh, why is that? Why do you think campus ministry is so important? A great question. This actually comes out of ballet experience because I kind of grown up a little bit as a loner, but then when I, when I was in ballet, I had an experience that essentially caused me to walk away from faith completely. And uh, just, again, not only had I come to the end of myself, but at that point in my life, I had broken my foot three times in 12 months and felt like a failure in my own career was struggling with how to rehab from this, this whole situation. Didn't know what I was going to do with life that odds with my parents it just everything seemed like and on top of that didn't trust god couldn't walk into a church again so when i started to college i got involved in a campus ministry that was the only like i, I realized at that point like I, i'd come back to the lord enough to know i needed to be somehow involved in community i felt like it was missing from my life but i didn't know how to navigate that situation I did, again didn't feel comfortable walking into a church but i felt comfortable enough to walk into a, a campus ministry and slowly but surely, I would come 30 minutes late. <laughs> they catch the catch the worship and just bawl my eyes out because the that the song the words in those songs were saying things that my heart couldn't say. And the fact that you are a good, good father—that's who you are—and then to be in a room surrounded with almost 100 other believers and hearing them worship and hearing faith talked about in a way that was real and alive. Um, and applicable was quite powerful. And then of course I would scoot back out early and not talk to anybody. But then as I transferred to Georgetown, realized, okay, campus ministry is safe and pursued that same campus ministry out again. So through all of that really saw the importance of campus ministry in my own life, of that being the way God fully started working to my life and heal me and bring me back to him. Um, but I think that it, it just has such a unique gift that maybe the church doesn't necessarily have of you, you are living with these people, you are boots on the ground with them and have the opportunity. You're going through similar experiences and have the opportunity to live that shared life together of not only hold each other accountable, but walk through as brothers and sisters, these experiences. So 
for me, I realized that was really important, not only for my own feeding, but because realizing I wanted to pour out into a community like that and just the advantage it has on reaching classmates and, and to be able to speak into people's lives in a way that you really can't otherwise. So I think the thing is, yes, I've, I've talked to a number of students where it's like, yes, you can have a Christian community anywhere where two or more are gathered. He's there. I agree with that. But I think there's also something to be said of having an established community where you have the support, where you have the faculty built in, where you aren't all by yourself. Because we have an enemy who's real and alive. He likes to deceive, divide, and destroy. And being a loner and being all on your own is a very easy way to have that happen. So I think it's important. Yeah, that is so key. And that's why a group like CMD is so important. It does remind you you are not alone. We cannot go through this journey. And as difficult as medicine has become in all of its facets, we just cannot do it alone as Christ followers. We need each other, and that's key. So mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of wrap up our discussion with this last question, and I'm going to kind of ask you to kind of peek into your crystal ball because this is a future-forward question. How do you see, looking forward, how do you imagine CMDA playing a role in your your ongoing profession as a medical professional, as a researcher, as a scientist? How do you see CMDA playing a part, being a part of your life? Hmm. Great question. A few things. I, I think one thing off off the bat is as much as I believe campus ministry is important, I don't believe ministry can ever replace your relationship with God. Mm. So hopefully no matter what, I'll be pursuing him. Mm. Um, I would love to obviously get back. And I think CMB is incredibly important and a, a vessel for that. But I also think it's important to just also to speak out to any listener out there right now who's fallen into the trap as I have many a times of replacing their relationship with God with ministry. Mm. Um, I think first and foremost, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul and mind. But, and then second serve through CMDA and hopefully it's something that I'll continue to be involved in. And it's, it's kind of the umbrella of which we can operate under a bit as something that hopefully I'll continue to, so as of right now, you mentioned being the regional student um, rep for the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's something of, of really trying to build into the Midwest campuses here. But then hopefully as I begin to practice, be able to become the Dr. Nyman's for wherever I am of, of helping build up that, that community where I am. Yeah. Because, again, campus ministry is so important. Yeah, I think fundamentally, as I'm thinking about it, it just comes down to to understand that we're not alone. And even mm-hmm. as you go into your uh, residency and fellowship and, and, you, and you know into your professional career, we need one another. And we need to have visible Christian expressions and communities wherever we happen to be. And, uh, mm-hmm. and there is something unique about being in a community with other healthcare professionals that it, because I think, you know, you alluded to it in, in some of your remarks that there's something unique about people who are kind of, who are facing some of the same challenges, unique challenges, who understand mm-hmm. the kind of life one needs to live as a healthcare professional, the, um, some of the obstacles, some of the challenges and such. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, so CMDA, you know, I often say, you know, having been a pastor in a previous uh, life, I, I used to say to our congregation, you know, this is a cradle to grave ministry, right? We're, 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 we're a part of your life from the, from the very beginning to the end. And CMDA, although it didn't start at the very beginning, but it starts at the very beginning of an individual's medical or dental career as they're going through training. And we trust and hope that it will carry through into the very end. And uh, that's 
what we want to uh, we want to help come along and support for the glory of God and for the fulfillment of the mm-hmm. Great Commission. I mean, it's all unto Him. It's not about waving CMD's banner, but wanting Christ mm-hmm. to uh, be glorified. And so, exactly. But thank you so much for uh, this conversation. And again, I just want to just uh, publicly just thank you for your leadership, because like you said, you are a regional rep, a student rep. You're not only a local uh, student leader at Mayo, but you are a national student leader. And I just want to thank you for all you you contribute, you bring to the table, your enthusiasm, your energy. And I'm thankful that as you, being an MD, PhD student, you're going to be around for a while. <laughs> so. All right. I've seen across my head for a very long time. <laughs> you, you sure do. Well, thank you. thanks again, Caroline. I appreciate it. Appreciate this. Absolutely. Thanks, so. This is the part of the podcast where we tell you some things that you need to know. The first is the Remedy Missions Conference. If you're thinking about missions, want to learn more about missions, how you can do it, either walking across the street in your community or around the world, this conference is for you. We have two opportunities to attend. We have a West Coast Conference and an East Coast. The West Coast Conference is at Cal Baptist University, February 24th to the 25th. And the East Coast Conference is April 14th to the 15th at Liberty University. To get more information and how to register, go to Remedy cmda.org and then i just want to remind you that our cmda national convention is coming up april 27th to the 30th in cincinnati ohio this is a fantastic opportunity to meet other christian healthcare professionals and we don't want you as a student to miss out on this opportunity so we've got some special deals for you scholarship money that will cover your registration as well as parts of your housing and travel expenses but to find out how to do that how to get access to that scholarship money and to apply you'll need to go to this website cmdastudentlife.org slash natcon and we'll make sure to put these links in our show notes as well and then lastly don't forget to download the cmda student life app on it is a host of resources, small groups, Bible studies, this podcast, and just so many tools and resources that are, that are important for you, your faith, and for your work with CMDA. So make sure you go on the App Store or the Google Play Store and simply search for CMDA Student Life and download the app. And as always, you can find us on our social media sites using the handle CMDA Student Life. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Well, as always, we're just so thankful that you joined us for this episode of CMDA's Student Pulse Podcast. We look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. CMDA's Student Pulse Podcast is a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the organization. CMDA is non-partisan and does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on Student Pulse podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members.